0: It's Aspen Ideas to Go from the Aspen Institute. I'm Trisha Johnson. Each week, you'll hear compelling talks from the Aspen Ideas Festival and other public events presented by the Aspen Institute. The Aspen Institute is an educational and policy studies organization that fosters values-based leadership and provides a non-partisan venue for dealing with critical issues. Our last episode featured Walter Isaacson talking about Albert Einstein in honor of the 100th anniversary of the general theory of relativity. This episode continues our anniversary celebration. It features Brian Green, professor of physics and mathematics at Columbia University. His book about string theory, called The Elegant Universe, was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. The Washington Post called him the single best explainer of abstruse concepts in the world today. So it's only fitting he should give us a refresher on relativity. In this short and entertaining lecture from the 2015 Aspen Ideas Festival, Green also talks about the ongoing quest to understand black holes. Here's Brian Green.
1: So thank you, Walter. It's a great pleasure and honor to be back here. And it's a special time in science and physics in particular because on November 25th, 1915, Albert Einstein stood in a lecture hall at the Prussian Academy of Sciences in Berlin, and he announced to the assembled group of luminary scientists that he had finally completed a 10-year long odyssey to find a new and deeper understanding of the force of gravity. So, this November of 2015, of course, marks the 100th anniversary of the momentous discovery of the general theory of relativity. And I know that so many of you are already busily preparing your own relativity celebrations, relativity parties, It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing to witness. But I also know that look, we all lead busy lives. We have important responsibilities and because of that sometimes some of us allow our understanding of general relativity to get a little rusty. And so in this banner year of the subject it seems fitting for me to spend the 20 or so minutes that I have with you today giving a quick refresher On what Einstein found in general relativity, but also updating you on a looming puzzle that is still at the forefront of vigorous research in general relativity having to do with the nature of black holes. All right, general relativity, what is it? Well, it is Einstein's picture of how the force of gravity works. You see, You may recall from high school that we all learn, we still do... ...that in the late 1600's... ...Isaac Newton gave us a theory of gravity, right? Which says that every object in the universe pulls on every other... ...with a force that depends on two things. How big the objects are, how far apart they are in space. And using the little mathematical version of that statement... ...you can use Newton's ideas to make predictions for how the moon... ...will move, how the planets will orbit. And the observations confirm the predictions, which is spectacular. But even so, Einstein realized that there was a puzzle, a problem. He realized that Newton's ideas couldn't be the full story... ...because Newton never told the world how gravity actually works. Right, we all know that the Sun keeps the Earth in orbit... But how does it do that, right? They're separated by essentially empty space. There's like no rope connecting them. There's no arm that reaches out and clutches hold of the earth. So what's the mechanism by which gravity gets the job done? Now Newton knew this was a problem in his Principia. He himself wrote. He said to the answer of that important question, the mechanism by which gravity operates, he said, I leave it. ...to the consideration of the reader. (laughs) Now, for 200 years, every reader that read that read on. They just kept on going, but here's where Einstein was different. He wanted to answer this question. So he devotes himself to this puzzle. 1907, he really starts to think about it. By 1912, the problem of gravity is the only thing that he is working on... And by 1915, he gives the world this new understanding of gravity... ...the general theory of relativity. And the answer he found is utterly beautiful. Spectacular, elusive. But in some sense it's the most direct answer... ...that was staring everybody in the face but nobody else could see it. I mean, if here's the sun and here's the earth... ...if there's empty space between them, it must somehow be that empty space itself... ...provides the mechanism for communicating the force of gravity. But how can space do anything? Well, here's the genius of Einstein. He realized that space and time can warp and curve... ...and in that way influence the motion of a body that's moving through... ...that environment. I mean, to think about it, imagine an analogy. Consider a nice flat wooden floor like we have here on the stage. If I were to take a marble and set it rolling along the flat wooden stage... ...you all know it'll roll in a straight trajectory. But imagine that there's a flood... ...causing the wood to warp, to curve. If I now take that marble and I set it rolling... ...it won't go in a straight trajectory any longer because the warps and curves in the wooden floor will... ...nudge and push the marble into a curved trajectory. Einstein says that's what happens with gravity. Warps and curves in space and time... ...can nudge an object like the earth to go in a curved trajectory... ...to go into orbit around the sun. Now of course Einstein writes down an equation for this. ...allowing him to make predictions for what should happen out there... ...and he makes a prediction that distant starlight... ...should follow a curved trajectory on its way to the earth as it grazes by the sun. 1919, that prediction is tested... ...by observations of distant stars during a solar eclipse... ...and the observations confirm Einstein's prediction. He gets a telegram... ...from the team of observers, alerting him that the observations had confirmed his theory... ...and a student who was nearby at the time said to him... ...Professor Einstein, what would you have said... ...if the observations had not confirmed your theory? And Einstein famously responded... ...I would be sorry for the dear Lord because the theory is correct. (laughs) That's 1919. Two years before that... ...Einstein published in 1915, but two years before the confirmation, 1917... ...a German astronomer, mathematician, Karl Schwarzschild... ...who was stationed on the Russian front during World War I... ...and he is charged with calculating artillery trajectories. He gets a hold of Einstein's manuscript... ...and somehow, in the chaos of war, he starts to calculate with... ...Einstein's equations and realizes something stunning. He realizes that in Einstein's theory... ...if a spherical body like a star... ...should be crushed to a sufficiently small size... ...it'll so warp the fabric of space-time... ...that anything which gets too close will not be able to pull away. Even light itself, if it gets too close, will fall in. So the object will appear dark. What he had found, of course, is the black hole solution to Einstein's equations of general relativity. Einstein didn't believe that solution, even though it came out from his own math. Observations have shown, though, that black holes are real, the math is really telling us how the world works. And the math of this discovery is compact, elegant, powerful, ...much as is the case with all great breakthroughs in physics. I mean a few years ago, if you were here three years ago in fact... ...I gave a little discussion of the discovery of the Higgs particle... ...and I demonstrated to all who were here... ...the elegant, compact nature of the mathematics... ...with the help of two assistants... ...who demonstrated that mathematics to the audience. So back by command, performance, can I have my two helpers again right here Alec and Sophia so let's see what we got here alright so tell me what equation do we have right here Einstein field equation thank you very much what do we have over here Schwarzschild solution right so this actually is the mathematical solution to these equations that gives rise to the black hole solution and amazingly I'm so pleased We were in touch with NASA and they have given us the first high-resolution photograph of a black hole for display here, first time ever. Let me just show you what a black hole (laughs) would look like, right there. Now, the idea is this edge is the event horizon and if anything crosses over that edge, it falls right to the center where all the matter is crushed to a fantastically small size. Empty space in between, but once you cross over the horizon, no way to get out. All right, thank you to both, all right. And you know what, if these invitations come at the same rate every three years, I'm going to use this footage as a kind of coming of age film of my kids, sort of like boyhood, my version of it, right, right here. All right, so we have the black hole solution of general relativity And that leads to the puzzle which now people are struggling with today. And that puzzle emerges from an insight in the 1970's about black holes... ...due to Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking realized... ...that black holes actually are not completely black. He realized that black holes actually emit radiation, they glow. Now he came to this conclusion because all of the work that had been done previously, everything that I showed you on these t-shirts is based on purely Einstein's general theory of relativity but that ignores quantum mechanics. And Stephen Hawking found that when you include quantum mechanics in the description the nature of black holes changes. Let me explain to you how that goes. The key idea ...which is true regardless of whether or not a black hole is involved... ...is that quantum theory rewrites our understanding of empty space. Quantum theory says that even the most empty region of empty space is not actually completely empty. Because of the Heisenberg uncertainty principle... ...fields are always undulating up and down. Particles can be created and quickly annihilated. A roiling sea of quantum activity takes place in every region of empty space. Now we don't see this because the processes happen so quickly. If two particles are created they so quickly annihilate one another that we don't even realize that the process took place. But Hawking realized that in the vicinity of a black hole these processes ...can change. Hawking realized that if here we have a black hole... ...the black circle that we saw on Alec's shirt... ...the wild quantum undulations of space just outside the black hole... ...can create a pair of particles... ...but now the black hole can rip those two particles apart... ...allowing one to fly out into space... ...and the other being pulled in to the black hole... Itself. Now, the particle that flies away, it has energy, positive energy. It radiates out into space. So its partner particle has negative energy, negative mass, if you will, which means that as that partner particle falls into the black hole, the black hole's mass does not go up, it goes down. The black hole is eating a particle of negative energy. So, it gets smaller through this process. So, now imagine you've got a black hole... with all these processes happening just outside its edge... particles flying out, others falling in. What does that look like? Well, it looks like radiation is coming out... as the black hole gets smaller and smaller. Now, that's a kind of familiar sounding process, right? Think of a piece of coal as it's burning. ...as a piece of coal burns, it gives off heat and radiation... ...as the piece of coal gets smaller and smaller. Very similar sounding process. But there's a key difference. And the key difference is where the puzzle comes from. When a piece of coal is burning... ...the radiation that comes out is coming from... The stuff of the coal itself undergoing the process that yields the burning, yields the radiation. So the radiation itself coming directly from the coal stuff... bears an imprint of the coal itself. But for a black hole the process is different, right? The stuff of the black hole is crushed in the center of the black hole, far away from the edge. The burning, if you will, is happening just outside the edge. Empty space itself is undergoing the burning. And therefore the radiation that comes out... bears no imprint of the stuff that made the black hole itself. Which suggests that information is lost in the process. Let me give you an analogy so you can understand that more completely. Think of not burning... ...a piece of coal, think of burning a couple of books. Imagine over here, I've got War and Peace, set it on fire. Over here, I've got Fifty Shades of Grey, set it on fire. If I carefully examine the radiation coming off... ...of either of these burning books, I can actually recreate the book itself. ...because the radiation coming off bears a direct imprint of the stuff that's burning. It would be hard to do... ...but in principle I could reproduce the unburnt books... ...by examining the radiation that comes off them. No information lost. Now compare that... ...with a slightly different kind of burning. Take War and Peace. Take Fifty Shades of Grey. Throw them each into different black holes. Now examine the radiation coming off of each of those black holes... ...and you will, according to Stephen Hawking's original calculations... ...be unable to reproduce the books. Because it's not the books themselves that are literally burning... ...it's the empty space surrounding the black hole that's burning. So the information contained in the books... ...is not imprinted in the radiation that's coming out. Information being... ...lost. Now, if this is really true... ...if information is lost through the burning... ...or what we call the evaporation of a black hole... ...then we are in trouble in physics. The whole point of physics is to take how the world is... ...and predict how it will be in the future. But if information is lost, we can't do that. In essence, if information is lost... ...the laws of physics, as we understand them, fall apart. So this is a big deal. This is a big problem. And for that reason, people have spent decades trying to resolve it. And I think it's fair to say that there is no consensus yet... ...on how to solve this problem. my final two minutes, let me just tell you... ...a handful of the solutions that have been proposed. Some people suggest that maybe... somehow there's a subtle imprint... of the information contained in an object that's thrown into a black hole... in that radiation. Others claim... that the math doesn't allow that to happen. Some have suggested that maybe... unlike a piece of coal that can burn all the way down to nothing... maybe when a black hole burns there's a point at which... ...there's a remnant, a nugget that can't burn any further and locked inside of it is the information. Other areas of science like string theory cast doubt on that as a viable solution. Some have suggested that maybe it's not really empty space around a black hole that's burning... ...maybe the event horizon of a black hole really is a surface, a something... ...and maybe that something is burning like the surface of a piece of coal. This is an idea that is currently under vigorous exploration. Others have suggested even more wild ideas. Like maybe there is a network of wormholes... ...tunnels through space... ...going from the inside of a black hole to the outside world... ...in that way blurring the distinction between... ...outside and inside because they are secretly linked together... ...by this tunnel, this wormhole... ...this collection of linkages between the inside and the outside. It is imperative that we resolve this puzzle. It's the only way that we will be able to... ...understand a melding of quantum theory and general relativity... ...which is the big goal in searching for what we call the unified theory. Fact is... to my mind... it's thrilling, absolutely wondrous... that this puzzle is still facing us... because it's so clear that when we solve it as we will... our understanding of space and time and matter and energy... will all be catapulted to the next level. And it's equally thrilling that a hundred years... After Einstein first wrote down the equations of general relativity, puzzles in that theory are still lighting the way, showing us the direction forward toward what we anticipate being the grand discoveries of the next generation. So I'll stop there. Thank you very much.
0: That was Brian Greene, recorded live at the Aspen Ideas Festival on July 1, 2015. The Aspen Ideas Festival is the nation's premier gathering place for leaders from around the globe and across disciplines to engage in deep, inquisitive discussion and tackle the ideas and issues that shape our lives and challenge our times. You can discover more about the festival at our website, aspenideas.org. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast, Aspen Ideas To Go, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow the festival at Aspen Ideas on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Trisha Johnson, Editorial Director of Public Programs at the Aspen Institute. Thank you for listening.